News 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Rob Snow. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow once again. And I have to give you a bit of a news flash. I have to do something that you are not prepared for. Because I'm not prepared for it. In oh so many ways, I'm simply not prepared. No, I am not prepared to tell you that I must give ju- just, I can't even say it. I have to give Justin Trudeau an apology. Yesterday I was on the air and I said that Justin Trudeau had flown out to Whistler for the weekend to do some snowboarding. To take some time on the slopes. Meanwhile, he and his cabinet were telling us all about the need for action on climate change. It turns out Trudeau did not come back to Ottawa. He stayed out in Whistler. Now, why did I think he was in Ottawa? Because that's what his office kept saying. His office kept putting out news releases each and every day saying that he was in Ottawa for private meetings. I got a call from the Prime Minister's office last night from one of his communication staff to inform me after, long after I had sent the request, saying, hey, can you just tell me, is he in Ottawa? Is he staying out west for the meeting with the premiers? Yep, he's staying out west. So my sincere apologies for claiming that the Prime Minister had gone to Whistler just for a couple of days or a day to go snowboarding. He's staying out there for the week, still pushing on the issue of climate change. He wants a floor price for carbon if you check the latest headlines across the country. He wants each and every province to decide that they're going to set a price either through cap and trade or through a direct carbon tax. And he wants it to be standardized in some sense or form across the country. Now, it doesn't have to be a standardized plan. Manitoba could go with a straight carbon tax. Ontario can go with the cap and trade that Kathleen Wynne is pushing upon us now that will add 4.3 cents a liter to the price of gas at the pump. But he wants the price per ton of carbon to have a minimum. And what we're hearing at this point, we'll see what comes out of the meetings, is that they want it to be $15. $15 a ton. An op-ed, I read part of it to you uh, last week, an op-ed in the Financial Post pointed to key advisors to this government who have called for a price of 150 to $200 per ton just to meet the commitments that Canada made at the Paris Climate Talks. All of this to say, your life is going to get more expensive if Prime Minister Trudeau is successful this week. Kathleen Wynne is already on this front. The Premier is on board. The Premier wants you to pay more for everything. Because whether it's cap and trade or a carbon tax directly, it is a tax on everything. Government gets the money. You pay more. You pay more for your head of lettuce. You pay more for the pair of jeans you buy. You pay more for your car. You pay more to fill your car. And if you're lucky enough to fly out to Whistler, be it for a day or for several days, you'll pay more for that. You'll also, by the way, since you're footing his bills, pay more for Justin Trudeau to do just that. 
Again, my apologize for saying that Justin Trudeau went to Whistler Ford just a day. I can be forgiven, as I said, because that's what his office claimed. And also because, as we noted at the time, his cabinet ministers were fond of, are fond of flying. Catherine McKenna taking two trips to Paris, flying to Paris, back to Ottawa, back to Paris, back to Ottawa, all to talk about climate change. Kathleen Wynne, did she go two times or three times? It's tough to keep track of the jet set. So this morning I want to ask how much more you're willing to pay, especially in light of the study that I told you about yesterday, a study that comes from a lead Canadian author that shows that the the global warming pause is real that we haven't been we haven't been warming the planet since 1998 i put this out yesterday after the show i posted the podcast posted a video i did for the rebel and immediately folks on the left start coming back at me either on facebook or twitter saying oh so you're citing climate change denying scientists No, I'm citing Michael Mann, the inventor of the hockey stick graph. I'm citing John Fife from the Canadian Center for Climate Modeling and Analysis. Even when you cite their own scientists, the other side just changes the story. Is there a way to win on this? I'm I'm not sure. We'll ask Lowell Green in a minute. Because I know he has been keeping watch on the rising sea levels in Bahamas. And he's likely sitting on his deck right now, listening in and waiting to join us and enjoying the fine weather, looking at the ocean that has not risen in the 50 years he's been going there. So after we talk to Lowell, we'll take your calls on how much you're willing to pay extra for a global warming that is not happening, according to the scientists paid for by the Canadian government and the American government. But I'll also take your calls on, cli- on the Syrian refugee issue. Immigration Minister John McCallum was at Pearson Airport last night. He was there to celebrate the arrival, the reaching of the goal of 25,000 Syrian refugees. And he said that they did it, and yes, it was rushed, but it was totally worth it It was totally worth it because if you saw what he saw when he visited Jordan last year, then you knew the conditions were awful. He referenced the camps again. We know this is not true. We know because his own officials said, and I quote, very, very few came from the camps. He went on to tell a committee of parliament of MPs, that the refugees Canada brought over came from apartments and homes in cities and towns across Lebanon and Jordan and Turkey. They were not living in squalor at the camps. But yet, when John McCallum goes there and says, yes, it was rushed, but it was worth it and we did it right, he cites the camps again. And what have we done in reality? We have brought people over from apartments and homes and put them into hotels here. Vancouver has almost a thousand people still living in hotels. 
The director of immigration services there says he's received $2.8 million for settlement services from the federal government since December. Most of it has been taken up with hotel costs. And we've been over these hotel costs before. In addition to the rooms, which I'm sure range from $150 to $250 a night, we're talking about $61 per day for every man, woman, and child paid to the hotel to feed them. Think of how far that money would have gone if it was given instead to the refugee families. How many more people could have been settled properly? Or how much money Canadian taxpayers could have saved? They don't have money for language training or skills training or anything like that because it's all being sucked up by hotels so that John McCallum and Justin Trudeau could meet their artificial deadline, their artificial quota for their vanity project. We'll take your calls on that as well. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Lowell Green joining us in moments, but right now, let's check in with Michael Kane at the BNN desk. Now back to Rob Snow on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580-CFRA. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow with you until 2 o'clock. Joining me now is... Well, a man who's enjoying far better weather than me. Uh, Lowell, you probably didn't hear it off the top, but I had to apologize for, I had to apologize to Justin Trudeau, not for Justin Trudeau. That's that's what I do when I speak to people outside the country. Um, but I had to apologize for claiming that he was off in Whistler for just a oh, day I, I of heard, snowboarding. Yeah, I heard you. It sounds like an honest mistake. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, spend any time agonizing over that. What I think we should be agonizing over is something that that you haven't mentioned. I'm not sure how many people have picked up. There's a very grave danger, I believe, hovering over the Canadian economy that very few of us have recognized. That danger is called Donald Trump. If you listen to what Donald Trump has been saying, and perhaps even more importantly, if you listen to what his supporters are saying, if Donald Trump becomes president, and there's every chance he will, this, I believe, will be a very severe blow to the Canadian economy. In what way? We know that about 80% of everything that we grow and make in Canada is sold in the United States, much of it covered under NAFTA. I'm going to tell you right now that Donald Trump has signaled time and time again he doesn't give a sweet flying fox fart about NAFTA. He is quite prepared to cancel NAFTA. He's quite prepared, certainly, to break the rules of NAFTA, and certainly his supporters are. I think that, you know, we're t- he's talking about a physical wall between the United States and Mexico, which he claims the Mexicans are going to pay. But I think even more importantly, as far as Canada is concerned, I believe he's talking about an economic wall between the United States and Canada. Of all that, this this is not... Brad Wall is absolutely correct. This is absolutely not the time to impose any new taxation on the Canadian people. God knows we're overtaxed the way it is now. But with, with, with this... With this election looming in the United States next November, I'm going to tell you right now, if Trump becomes president, look out, Canada. We will not, I repeat, we will not be able to sell nearly as much as we are right now to the United States. Or even as easy. I mean, all they have to do is, what's the term that that they like to use? Thicken the border. They don't have to even rip up NAFTA, Lowell. If they put up things that slow things down... All of a sudden, our companies aren't able to deliver on time. They can't get yeah, parts on time. Right. They lose contracts, and it becomes a, a non, non-tariff barrier, they call it. But I'll tell you what, today's Super Tuesday in the States. Donald Trump expected to win, what, 11 of 12 states. 
Hillary Clinton expected to win, I think, the same. I don't know if it's the same number of states I, in the Democratic in, side. I, uh, you know, but let, no, let no, me, hold on. Hold on. There's a reason I'm bringing it up. Hillary Clinton is also speaking out against NAFTA, just like she did in 2008 when she ran, because the Democrats don't like NAFTA, and she wants to rip up the trade deal. Well, So we could be in trouble regardless of who wins. The thing with Trump is that he doesn't care about rules. I mean, this is one of the, excuse me, one of the great attractions, as far as many people are concerned, about Donald Trump. Here is a guy who is quite prepared to run roughshod over rules, over regulations, and over laws. He doesn't give a damn. I mean, he's made that very clear. Uh, and, but if you well, he, he built clear, Trump Tower with illegal workers, so yeah. If you listen very carefully to his supporters, much of his support is coming, and I heard your, your correspondent from Washington this morning reiterate this, much of his support is coming from blue-collar workers, people who have either lost their jobs or seen their salaries uh, decrease. They're blaming the Mexicans, but I'm going to tell you that they're also going to say, wait a minute, hold it. Why are we buying things from, the, from Canada? We should be making these in the United States, and let's, you know, let's shut off this international trade. Uh, I'm, uh, this, this, uh, and it might not happen. What I'm saying, Brian, is, you know, I might be just raising an alarmist flag here, but this is not the time to take the chance. There are so much. There is so much uncertainty. There are so many intangibles underway here in the United States. This is becoming a very, very protectionist state. You can hear it, and, and you're quite right, both from Hillary and certainly from Bernie Sanders and from Donald Trump. This, the United States is essentially, in, in more than one way, closing in on itself. They feel that they should be producing their own goods here. They're, and they're doing this now with oil, as you know. They're importing very... In fact, right now, I don't know how many people understand this, but Canada, believe it or not, with all of the oil we have in the ground, we are now importing more oil into Canada than the United States is importing. And most of what the United States imports comes from Canada. It's quite astonishing. The... Um, the the thing that got me worried about Trump as far as Canada and the economy goes is when he was asked about uh, Keystone XL. I've been going to uh, and covering American politics for a long time. I've been down to CPAC. That takes place this coming weekend, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Every Republican presidential hopeful is going to be there speaking. And as long as I've been following it and as long as I've been going – I've been hearing every Republican get up and say, I will I will approve Keystone. It's bizarre because in Republican circles, it gets greater support in the United States than it does in Canada at times. But Donald Trump came out on Keystone XL and said, yeah, let's approve it. But I want the profits for America. And, And, you know, that's that's not how it works, Donald. But that's the way he'll work. My, my point is there's nothing we can do about American politics, but we do have a say, I hope we still have a say, in Canadian politics. This is not the time, not the time to impose new taxation or even plans for new taxation in Canada. There is too much uncertainty involved in all of this. We are already confronted in Ontario, as we know, a rising electricity bills, and by the way, they're going to go up another three times this year and again next. Uh, increase in cost of natural gas. Uh, the cap and trade in, in Ontario is obviously going to go ahead, which means that the cost of virtually everything will go up, including food is going to go up. That's what we need, a higher cost for food. 
gasoline, we all know that already another, what, four, four and a third cents tacked, on, uh, tacked onto that. This is not the time to impose more taxation, at least until we find out what the United States is going to do. If we lose some of our market down here in the United States, look out, Canada. I mean, you talk about Banana Republic. Man, oh, man, if we can't sell as much as we are now in the United States, where the hell are we going to sell it? Let me ask you about um, cap-and-trade and carbon pricing then, because Kathleen Wynne says she's going forward with it. You mentioned yeah. 4.3 cents a litre is, yeah. is, is what it's going to cost just on gas. Uh, imagine heating your home with oil. That's going to be quite the, the wallop to your bill. Well, natural uh, pri- pri- gas, too. Natural gas. Prime Minister Trudeau holding a conference this week with all the premiers saying he wants a floor price. And then, as I reported yesterday on this show, new study receiving next to no media attention yeah. from prominent scientists, including Michael Mann, the guy that invented the hockey stick graph and was warning everyone yeah. about global warming. New study saying actually the warming kind of slowed down, agreeing with the UN that there's a hiatus. Shouldn't yeah, we just me, be doing me, a pause on all the, the these crazy schemes, Lowell? Well, of course. I mean, it's nonsense. I, you mentioned I have been coming to Grand Bahama Island for 51 years. I first visited here in 1965. I can tell you unequivocally that in 51 years, I see no evidence. I don't need a study. I just go out and walk on the beach. I don't see any increase in sea levels in 51 years. In fact, there is a canal very close to us here with with marks along the side as to the depth. There has been no change. The ocean at high tide and low tide is roughly the same as it was 51 years ago. Let Let me give you one other example. When my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, was two years old, she came here. We went to a little restaurant. For those who've been here, it's Banana Bay. And when the tide is out, You can walk out into the ocean, I would say a good half mile on a sandy beach. It's just wonderful. It's a tidal flat. You can walk out half a mile. So this same granddaughter is now with us here. She's now 13. We went out to the restaurant the other day, and guess what? We were able to walk out the same amount that we were 10 years ago, 11 years ago when she was here. No change whatsoever. This, This idea that the oceans are rising, not only that, but... We had devastating hurricanes here, 94 and again 95. There has not been a severe hurricane. In fact, there hasn't been a hurricane hit the Bahamas or the United States since 1995. In fact, the last three years have set records for the fewest number of hurricanes and in the United States the fewest number of of tornadoes. I I was reading yesterday directly from the U.N.'s Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Report. I I go to documents like that, Lowell, because... These are the main organizations pushing it. And then we have our, our environment minister, Miss McKenna, say we have more hurricanes, we have more floods. Oh, we no, don't. actually. And it says that right in, well, it doesn't say that. It says we have low confidence that, low confidence that climate change causes these things. But yet we're lied to time and again by the politicians and the activists and then told we've got to adopt this crazy economic change to stop it from happening when well, the report yeah. says it's not happening. Well, when you get guys like Leonardo DiCaprio, who doesn't understand Chinook, and goes on with about 14 million people listening and saying that he's got to go to the South Pole for, for snow, and you know what, <laughs> probably 12 million of the 14 believe that. I mean, this is the kind of garbage, but it's, it's not funny anymore. It's costing us billions and billions of dollars. I think that the whole scam 
the energy, the green energy scam, I, I, I think that it's helping to bankrupt many nations, including many nations in Europe. This is where we're spending our money, for God's sake. Instead of providing more social services and better education and better transportation, we're building windmills and putting on carbon tax. It's madness. Oh, but the politicians get more. Great revenue tools, Lowell. Great revenue tools. Thanks for chatting today. We'll chat again tomorrow. Lowell Good Green morning. from Bahamas. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow on News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Rob Snow. And this is the way it's going to be, see? I need a lead, I need a rewrite. Give me a headline. Brian Lillian for Rob Snow. I'm being a goof with my stir stick, chewing on it and making silly voices because it's coffee time, folks. Coffee time. Got to add in the sugar. Got to stir it in. Taking your calls at 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. You heard my discussion with Lowell on issues around new taxes, cap and trade, and so on. I also brought up the issue of refugees earlier. I want to play a clip of John McCallum. This is our immigration minister at Pearson Airport last night, singing his own praises. Now, remember, the original goal was 25,000 refugees by the end of December. Then they said 10,000 by the end of December and 25,000 by the end of February. They were able to make it. Okay? They were able to make it, but they had to revise it. And they brought up, they brought in people so fast that the settlement agencies could not handle them. So we're going to play you the clip. It's a little rough at times, but it's just what we have to deal with. Uh, This is John McCallum at Pearson Airport last night. So this is a terrific day for us because we have now achieved our target of this project, that is to say, Two days ago, uh, two days before the deadline, we admitted the 25,000th uh, Syrian refugee uh, to Canada. So it is a great victory, I say, for phase one. But that does not mean that the job is complete. The next task on which we are is to welcome people with arms, to help them find housing to help them learn English, to help them get a job, so that these new, soon-to-be Canadians will have successful, thriving lives in our country. So we are celebrating the achievement of Phase 1, but we're not popping any champagne because we are completely conscious of the fact that there remains a large amount of work to do. So the main thing I would like to do today is to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all of those thousands of people who made this possible, beginning overseas with the governments of Jordan and Lebanon, the United Nations, UNHCR, the International Organization for Migration. We could not have done what we have achieved without the support of all of those groups. And here at home, I want to thank Canadians uh, from CN with its $5 million gift 
to little children who wrote welcoming messages, of which I have a few, and I'll get to that in a minute. So from CN to the little children and everywhere in between, so many thousands and thousands of Canadians have come out to support. So I want to thank uh, provincial colleagues, municipal colleagues, settlement provider organizations, but above all, as Minister of Immigration, uh, Citizenship, Refugees and Citizenship, I want to thank the staff of my own department, especially here at the airport, where they have been here day in, day out for weeks and weeks and weeks, working tirelessly to welcome the refugees. And I think for them, I've been told by many, it's a bittersweet experience. It was the job of a lifetime, but you can't go on at this pace forever, so I think some of them will be uh, happy to get a few days off as well. Uh, so I do think we have done the right thing. As I uh, have seen the refugees, where they were coming from in Jordan and Lebanon, as I see on television the smiles on their faces when they get here, as I see pictures of them tobogganing and marams riding in uh, Peterborough, I am more and more convinced that this is the right And I am very grateful to all okay, those I'm, Canadians. Okay, I'm more and more convinced that those are hiccups and, and not uh, a breakup in the satellite time. But John McCallum saying they did the right thing. Is it the right thing when he said at committee last week less than half of them are in uh, permanent housing. Now he says more than half. All right, so they moved a few people over the weekend. Is it the right thing to rush people so quickly that costs go through the roof, that refugees are warehoused? My argument all along has just been slow down and do it right. And their argument all along is we've got to move fast. These people are in horrible conditions in the camps. He referenced that last night. He referenced the camps again, even though he knows we know his officials have said the refugees we brought in did not come in from camps. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Taking your calls on this or cap and trade and, of course, U.S. politics at Super Tuesday. Call in and have your say. Gary in Carlingwood, you are on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Good morning, Brian. Morning. Your thoughts on cap and trade? Hey, I just want to thank you for carrying on the fight with these, uh, whatever you want to call them, dictators. That's what I call them. And fraud artists or fraud. Very good at that. Scams and schemes. And thank you for keeping after them and informing all of us of the CFRA nation. Uh, you're thank welcome. You. It's Thank uh, you very much. Someone's got to do it. And I enjoyed, it was after 12 noon yesterday when you had on, I think it was Mr. Bell. Oh, uh, Tim Ball. Tim Ball, yes. Yeah. I enjoyed that so much. The truth came out. <laughs> Tim Ball is is uh, an actual climate scientist. He's yes. someone who's been studying this for a long time. I, I just enjoyed it so much to hear the truth, and I hope a lot of other people heard too and maybe will accept it, you know, but not this bunch. But uh, I just want to say these, like, I'm not going to say who, but, you know, with the cap-and-trade, with the carbon tax, this is a scheme, and it's fraud, you know. And in the paper, they're fighting it, you know, whatever, talking about it, Mr. O'Leary, Patrick Brown, etc. But I'm just going to say the same as they're thinking. It's going to go to more windmills, more solar, and more green energy BS that we don't need. 
So I just want to say thank you for listening to me, and uh, my sister feels the same way about this, too. Uh, how do you feel about an extra 4.3 cents on uh, for gasoline? And I, of course I don't that... like it. I don't like it at all, and I think about the diesel tractor-trailer drivers, like I don't drive, but all of the stuff is going to cost us more and more and more. All right. Thanks for the call, Gary. Hey, thanks, Brian. Ian and Osgood, you're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Hi, Brian. Um, I, I just can't get over the fact that uh, people don't realize that dinosaurs used to live in Alberta. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Global warming. It, it was uh, a jungle in Alberta, and for us to think that uh, we're affecting that is, is just ridiculous. Like, there was, there was a jungle, and uh, then there was the Ice Age, before we had anything to do with it. it uh, climate has been changing since the Earth formed. Is that essentially exactly. what you're getting at? Yeah, and, and uh, for us to think that uh, putting up some windmills is going to change things is just ridic- ridiculous. <laughs> I, I was speaking uh, with uh, another scientist a little while ago on these airways, um, Patrick Moore co-founder of Greenpeace, and he called it ridiculous, the idea that uh, along the lines of what you're saying, and remember, co-founder of Greenpeace, an actual scientist, said it's ridiculous to think that we will all die and that the earth will perish if we increase temperature by two degrees. He said you can go from one side of San Francisco Bay to the other and the temperature increases two degrees. You've got the same vegetation on both sides and people living on both sides. And, and they talk about uh, cows, uh, feces, or what have you. Um, there used to be thousands upon thousands of uh, buffalo roaming around. Yep. Uh, things change. All right. <laughs> True, they do, and they will change again. Thanks for the call, Ian. Okay, thanks. We're going to be getting a, a wallop of a winter storm later today. I just got to tell you, um, the city's saying stay home, work from home if you can tomorrow uh, let's talk about not driving. Well, our friends at News Talk 1010 in Toronto tweeted out just a little while ago that uh, if you took the TTC, if you took public transit today uh, in Toronto, they're already being hit with the storm. If you took public transit to avoid driving in it, now they're having public transit problems. Yikes. That's what we're in for later today. Now back to Rob Snow on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow with you until 2 o'clock. Just after 12, we'll be speaking with stuntman Stu about his attempt to use his cancer diagnosis to raise some money. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Stu 6, we want you to pay. That's what it's all about. No, he's uh, he's using it to raise money, selling T-shirts, uh, and uh, and trying to get some uh, some extra funds, you, you know, turning something bad into a silver lining, if you can. I guess we'll talk to Stu about that later on. Right now, taking your calls on cap and trade, on carbon pricing, the premiers will meet with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on Thursday in Vancouver to or on the West Coast, I think it's Vancouver, to talk about the issue of putting a floor price on carbon, a minimum price. So far, 
Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall is the only one that's talking any sense. Wall says, no, now's not the time to put another tax on the Canadian economy. The Liberals are pointing to major oil companies that say they support a carbon tax. Well, the reason they do is they just want to know what price to charge us. This isn't going to cost the oil companies. It's not going to cause, cost Loblaws or Shell Canada or Royal Bank or any of the other companies that are joining what's called the Smart Prosperity Coalition. No, they're just going to put it all down to us. It's going to hurt my pocket. It's going to hurt your pocket. And it's going to enrich politicians. Taking your calls on that and John McCallum on the refugee rush. Uh, Nicola is on the Rob Snow Show, if I can find out how to use the button right. Nicola, you're on with Brian Lilly. How are you? Very good. Um, Well, basically, uh, I don't know if you've heard what happened in Quebec, that they're going to put an injunction on the uh, Energy East pipeline, so it'll be under Quebec environmental laws. Yeah, um, so they, um, the minister is supposed to be announcing that today. He may have done that already. David Hertel uh, uh-huh. is um, a supposed liberal in the, oh. uh, in the Quebec government, minister of the environment, and he wants it under um, provincial laws, which is weird because constitutionally it falls under federal jurisdiction. Well, I don't know what happened to Philippe Couillard. He went off to that Paris conference, and I guess he talked to Leonardo DiCaprio or something or other. He seems to have become starstruck, and he's he's gone even more green. And uh, he's also not talking to this company, Petrolia, which is going to develop gas and uh, oil on Anticosti Island in the St. Lawrence. And uh, they haven't been able to uh, get any sense out of him. Well, so Ke- to- Quebec is sitting on so many natural resources, Nicola, that... Um, they just won't develop. And the reason they won't develop them is they don't have to. The rest of the country sends them, what is it, a third of their budget every year, $15 billion through equalization before health and other transfers kick in? Yeah, but he, he said they were going to develop it, and now he seems to be going backwards. So I don't know what happened at that conference, but he seems to have been brainwashed or something. He bought into the uh, the religion of global warming. That's it. <laughs> traded, traded in the Catholicism used to dominate Quebec for the religion of global warming that now dominates Quebec. Uh, yeah. th- this is a bizarre move, and thanks for bringing it up, Nicola. This is a bizarre move by Quebec. Uh, as most of you know, I was a reporter in Quebec a long time ago in Montreal. I used to cover under a party Quebecois government. Uh, I've covered Quebec politics from here in Ottawa, and I-, I couldn't tell you how many times I've covered court cases where the Quebec government is fighting uh, the federal government trying to interfere in Quebec jurisdiction. And, and and I've often found myself looking at the case and saying, well, I actually agree with Quebec because the Constitution says this is provincial jurisdiction and we have to live by the Constitution, don't we? Yeah, and there is a pipeline coming, I think, from Maine to Quebec, uh, which is bringing in oil from, uh, I suppose, Saudi Arabia or something? That, that would be Saudi or Venezuela. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, we also have oil tankers that go up the St. Lawrence to La Vie, which is the town on the, the south shore of the St. Lawrence across from Quebec City. And they right. drop off foreign oil, which is refined yeah. here in Canada. So they're fine with that. They just don't want Canadian, the politicians. Did you see the poll last week? The people actually want Canadian oil. Well, the refugee thing, um, 
I don't know, the States, I heard since the terrorist attack in San Bernardino, they've only had like three Christian refugees come in as opposed to Muslim refugees. Uh, I don't know what the re- percentage is in Canada of the refugees that have come in. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we, well, we're over 25,000. And uh, my, my point was never to say no. My point was to say do it sensibly, and I don't think they did, especially when you look at the cost. Thanks for the call, Nicola. Okay, bye. Steve in Canada, you're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Hey, Brian. You know, I look at this whole climate change thing and I say to myself, when Maurice Strong and, you know, the napkins and Kyoto and everything started, you know, they, they, they could have flipped a coin. They, they bet on the one thing that people will always argue about and the one thing that constantly changes, and that's the weather. And they bet the, the farm on it getting hotter. <laughs> and they guessed wrong. Right. So they, they got the, the left got that one completely wrong. So they backtrack now. And we all know this. They're all saying now it's not global warming. It's climate change. Mm-hmm. So they're basically basically abusing something that constantly changes. It's we all know this. I mean, we had five ice ages. A gentleman called yesterday and asked you how many we've had five ice ages that the world has known. And the gentleman earlier was saying we had dinosaurs in, in Alberta. And, you know, so. We all know this is happening, um, but I'm going to bring up another point. About eight or ten years ago, when they were talking about the polar ice caps were all melting, NASA had photos of the polar caps on Mars. Okay. And I wrote about this, and the polar caps on Mars were also shrinking at the same time ours were. So this goes back to the sunspots and everything else, and I'm yeah. sure Tim Ball and others could tell you about this. And you know, you know, though, Steve, that the, the ice cap in Antarctica has been growing. And, and now it has, yes. But when this, when when it was shrinking here, we were going through a phase where I guess just the ice was melting off a little bit. Uh, the, the Martian ice caps were also shrinking at the same time, and this goes back to basically, in my my opinion, I mean, we've got this massive fireball in the sky that controls so much of our temperature oh don't be we, silly well you know what we're <laughs> tilted well you look at just look at the differences just because we're tilted mm-hmm. at an angle we go around one side of the sun and we get snow like we're getting a foot coming tonight and we go around the other side of the sun and we're getting 35 degrees celsius weather in in canada so you know i, I just don't understand how people can be so dense to think that what we're doing a little bit of oil or, or gas or coal that we're burning is going to make an iota of difference compared to what that giant glowing ball up there uh, can do to our planet. And this is the part that, that blows my mind that people actually believe that, you know what, if I, if I go from eight, you know, eight kilometers a, a liter to, 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 to 12 kilometers a liter with my new car, I'm doing the planet some good. Hey, look, <laughs> I, I am all for conserving energy. Yes. I'm all for saving money. Yes, but, that's where it's at. Yeah, but I mean, saying we've got to spend billions on something that even the UN scientists say stopped in '98, we got to spend billions to stop it now. Makes no sense, Steve. And and so for this meeting on the week uh, on Thursday, I the rest of the premiers are going to be ganging up on Brad Wall, trying to get him to agree to something that, sure. The big companies don't care about. They're just going to pass the cost on to us. It's going to hurt your pocketbook, and it's going to hurt mine. Yeah, well, well look, at the province said already gas is going to go up here by, what, 4.5 cents a, a liter or something like that yep. in Ontario. 4.3 cents. So every, everything that is delivered by truck, by plane, 
by diesel rail, it's going to go up. Remember that. Thanks for the call, Steve. Take care, Brian. All right, I'm Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow. More of your calls after the news at the top of the hour. We'll also bring in some um, some audio of Brad Wall talking about his position on this because we know what the liberal position is. Charge you more. Take more of your money. All that and a lot more coming up after the news at the top of the hour. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow on News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Rob Snow. Brian Lilly and for Rob Snow with you for the next several hours and taking your calls on a variety of issues. From the refugee rush that we just went through, John McCallum making the announcement last night at Pearson Airport in Toronto. Notice all the big airports are named for liberal prime ministers. How'd that happen? How'd that happen, I wonder? But McCallum making the announcement that, um, well, they made the 25000 and it was all worth it, even if it was stressful at times, and even if they did it in such a way that 1,000 people are still in hotels in Vancouver, and most of the money given to the settle- some of the settlement agencies is being, up, being eaten up by hotel costs. It's still worth it. Because people were living in bad conditions in the camps. Lie. Also taking your calls on climate change and the looming national price on carbon. Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne is bringing in a carbon tax. 4.3 cents a litre. She says it's going to cost. Prime Minister Trudeau is taking the premiers out to British Columbia this week. And they want a national floor price on carbon. So I welcome your thoughts on any of this. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or calling in from out of town, it's 1-800-580-2372. That's 1-800-580-CFRA. Robert in Belleville is calling in. Sorry, Robert, you're on line one, and it's very sticky, that button. Robert, you're on the show. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Perfectly adequate. Okay, this whole uh, immigration, these targets the liberals put on, it was a smokescreen more than anything else to deflect from all their other inadequate, you know, things they're doing, right? In in, in what way? I mean, I, I think, to me, I think it was just a vanity project to make themselves feel like they were good, feel like they were doing something. First of all, the, the whole thing, what they're doing is wrong in the first place. We're bringing in people that really, for the most part, we don't know what where they come from, what they are, who they are. And what their political, what what they're out. I mean, most of them, it looks like the, most of them that come in so far are, are just people trying to get away from war, right? Which is a definition of refugee. Definitely, but same token, uh, we don't know whether what they're are they going to put a body pack on, go down to the mall, and blow people up because they got ISIS views. We don't know what they're going to do. We, there's been no proper security done. This was a whole thing done by Trudeau and McCollum to uh, to basically. This is a pretty shallow government. It's like it's like the Toronto Maple Leafs. There isn't much talent, okay? Well, you, you know, considering polls done in the region, a lot of people will scoff at what you said, uh, but considering polls done in the region in whether people support groups like ISIS, it's a valid concern. Now, a lot of us pushed back from their original plan of doing security screening when they got here. 
and they changed their mind and said that they would do it overseas. Hopefully they did it right, but we don't know because despite their claims of openness, they're not exactly being open about how that screening was done or is being done. There, there's no uh, there's no transparency in, this, this, in the way they've done things. You use that famous uh, political phrase. It's wrong, and uh, we're going to pay for it. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong, but my gut tells me we're going to have some major issues, uh, and we're going to be affected by it. And I'm, unfortunately, uh, we don't have a strong prime minister. we got a weak prime minister. I, I don't really know to be quite – I'm not trying because I'm a conservative, but I don't see any good people in this government. I don't see any strong ministers. I don't see any strong pers- – I don't see a Jim Flaherty. I don't see a Peter McKay or uh, Jim Prentice and other people that had strong, you know, upstanding uh, values. I don't see that in this government. Do you? No, no, not particularly. And that, that's what scares the daylights out of me. The prime minister, unfortunately, um, he's a boy scout. He's not a he's not a leader. And he runs around, rah, 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 climate change. He hasn't got a clue. He flies all around the friggin' world. He does more damage to the climate with all his extra flights. Why don't all the premiers meet in uh, Winnipeg, which is central in the country? Why are they flying out to B.C.? That costs more in carbon. And this premier in Ontario, I mean, she should be in jail for what she's done and what she hasn't done. And we're paying for it. And, and I haven't met one person yet who's told me they voted federally, liberal, or provincially. I, I'm starting to doubt whether the system's even legal or not. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, no, I, I, I don't doubt that it happened, uh, Robert. Don't doubt it at all. It's just... We've got to live with it for the next uh, next several years. Thanks for the call. I hope you know. I hope my kids can live with it. That's the most important thing. Well, they're going to be paying for it. Thanks for the call, yeah. Robert. All right. Let's play just before we get to Mike. Uh, Mike, I want to keep you on hold for a second because I want to play a clip of uh, Brad Wall. I told you he's the only sent the only person coming out with sane views on this issue of a, a national carbon tax. And here's his argument on why we don't need one. Our own legislative framework in Saskatchewan allows for us one day to have a carbon levy on high emitters. Our point is, is now's not the time. In Saskatchewan, the economy does not need a new tax hike on ed- in terms of education property tax, as they announced at SUMA, nor uh, a carbon levy. And we don't need a national carbon tax. All right, that's Brad Wall. We don't need a national carbon tax. Now's the wrong time. But something tells me they're going to keep pushing through. Mike in Chesterville. As far as I'm concerned, it's always the wrong time there, Brian. Um, The whole idea here is that we have to get away from the scientific community when it comes to global warming or climate change. Um, This is now a, a religious value. And when you consider religious values, if the uh, volcano is going to erupt, well, let's choose a virgin and throw her in to appease our God. Let's, uh, let's all get down with a, and start flogging ourselves to please our God. Mm-hmm. Let's start paying more in carbon tax to please our God. I'm sure David Suzuki's just a wonderful guy, but he's not my God. <laughs> he's not. He's not. But the CBC told us he's wonderful. Well, I'm sure that there's a lot of Canadians that do pray at the altar of Suzuki, but I am not one of them. I got roughed up by Suzuki. That was fun. Well, hey, as long as you're having a good time, Brian. (laughs) uh, You obviously must have asked him a question. Yes. Instead of simply asking him to comment. 
because uh, he doesn't answer questions. He just comments. Uh, but when you're God, you're not supposed to answer questions. You're supposed to tell people how they must lead their lives. And it doesn't matter if uh, God says you can only wear black and white clothing. It doesn't matter if God says that your women cannot show any skin or less they must be stoned to death. Uh, a religious fervor is a religious fervor. And if it's saying that Darwin must die because he says that there's evolution of the species, well, then the guy's got to go. I mean, Brian, you're trying to use logic. I know, that's, that's my turn problem. turn around and say, this is something that we can justify scientifically. But you're talking about religion. There is no scientific explanation for God. We just know it's true. Don't try and use facts. I, I have never, ever, ever had a debate with anyone about global warming who has ever used facts. They've always said, well, it is. And when you have that ideology and that mentality, that's, that's until you die. You, you, you never change your mind on religion. Mike, you hit the nail on the head there. Thanks for the call. Happy days. Now back to Rob Snow on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. And Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow. Taking your calls on, well, issues related to climate change or the refugee rush that the first stage completed last night. 25,000 into the country. Getting calls from across the country right now, including Mike calling in from Sparwood, British Columbia. Mike, you're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Hi, Brian. Sparwood. Where the heck? You, you're right near, I'm looking you up on Google Maps. You're, you're near Crow's Nest Pass. That's right. Right near all the windmills. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. what do you, you're calling in about climate change. You must have... Um, uh, a, a good grasp on that, being from the almost the left coast? Well, I work at one of the mines here, so one of the coal mines. Oh, yeah. But my thing is about the global warming. I don't think it's so much all the facts that everybody's saying on the show. I think it's basically like your other caller, Mike, was bringing up. I think they're teaching it in the schools and the free speech here and all this. And I think it's getting, we're getting a generation learning all this from the Suzuki facts and everything. Well, um, I mentioned yesterday that uh, my daughter, actually it was my daughter, my youngest daughter and my youngest son, they're twins in the same grade, uh, they went to the Canadian Museum of History for uh, a field trip last year, and they got to watch... A beautifully shot movie about polar bears, but it kept telling them that the polar bear population is near extinction, that it's going out. They weren't talking about Canadian polar bears. They were talking about one small subset of polar bears in the Nordic, in Scandinavia. Our polar bear population is growing. Well, I know. It's it's basically out of our free speech and what their kids are all learning in school, like, like I read a school textbook there not too long ago 
about our prime ministers. It was all good about their liberal prime minister. But, you know, like you get a conservative uh, prime minister, they're not that great. <laughs> I go to see what the history's going to be on Harper when, when, when they bring out the textbook on that one. Uh, I, yeah, that, I shudder to think at that. Um, I will tell you this, Mike, if you're worried about what kids are learning in school, my colleague at the Rebel.media, Lauren Southern, young woman from Vancouver, she's been exposing craziness at the university level. She's starting a new project to expose textbooks at the elementary and secondary level and misinformation or political propaganda in those. So that yeah, well, that, that should be out on the Rebel shortly. Yeah, and it's going to take, you know, a good generation or two before these kids uh, figure it out, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Mike. Okay, not a problem. Bye-bye. From Sparwood, British Columbia to Toronto. Bill calling in. Bill, you're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Hey, Brian. It's great to hear you again, and I love the Rebel. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you knock it out of the park every night. So here's my take on the whole thing. You know, I look at Quebec and the oil issue, right? They're quite content to have the Saudis import and these other countries. I don't know what it is, about $20 billion a year into Canada, I think. I, I couldn't tell you the monetary value, but it is a most of what we use in this part of the country, uh, Eastern Ontario, Quebec, the Maritimes, it's all from Saudi, Venezuela, uh, Nigeria, places like that. Well, it's nice, certainly in the billions. Nice places when it comes to political freedoms and environmental standards, right? But here's my point. You know, you're shipping it across the ocean. You're putting it in American pipelines to bring it into Quebec. So Quebec is quite willing to stand back and use oil and let the world and their oceans take the risk and the Americans take the risk, but they won't take Canadian oil across their borders. I mean, how hypocritical can you be? Well, uh, we placed a billboard right outside of City Hall in Montreal that got uh, quite a bit of media attention last Friday. So... This is through the rebel. It was paid for by uh, supporters who said, yeah, let's do this. Uh, we, it's costing us a pretty penny to put it up, but it's right on a main road right behind Montreal City Hall saying, if you won't take uh, Canadian oil, then stop taking the equalization payments. But I need to point out, Bill, that it's not the people of Quebec The Montreal Economic Institute did a study. They released a poll last week. It showed that the people of Quebec say, if there's Canadian oil, let's use Canadian oil. It's the politicians who are almost unanimously left-wing. In Quebec, you get your choice of left or lefter. Well, absolutely. I work with people in the, the province of Quebec almost on a daily basis. And you know what? They are great people. But it's we're, we're right back, you know, back to the future, whatever it is. We've got uh, Trudeau Light now, you know, Junior, and they're at war with Alberta over oil. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Build the pipeline. We're, what, we're, what other product do we produce that if all of a sudden they said, hey, if we just send this arrest around the rest of Canada, you know, we can create jobs. We can you know, another $20 billion that we spend outside of the country, we can spend it in here creating our own jobs, good jobs. I mean, it would be a no-brainer. 
But this is the one thing. I cannot understand the, the hypocrite that they are. Thanks for the call, Bill. Paul in Metcalf, you're on the uh, uh, the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. How are you doing? Uh, not bad. I, I keep trying to not say that other guy's name, but I almost <laughs> did that. I hear you. Um, I just got one question. Sorry. One of your last callers, was he saying that we shouldn't be listening to the scientists on climate change? Uh, I don't know. Was he making fun of Suzuki and the like? Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, we shouldn't be listening to Suzuki and the like. No, okay. because he's he's Fair a fruit enough. fly botanist. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I just I, I just was pointing a... I was pointing out yesterday, Paul. I don't know if you heard it, and I mentioned it earlier today. New study by a lead scientist from Canada at the Canadian Climate uh, Change Modeling and Analysis uh, Analysis Center in Victoria, signed off on by Michael Mann, the inventor of the hockey stick graph, saying. Climate change has slowed down. Has slowed down. Yeah, okay. essentially agreeing with the United Nations, which calls it a hiatus since 1998. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on around the whole climate change thing. I mean, I listen to your show all the time, and I love it. Um, I think talk radio is great. I think it's a good way for people to you know, hear everybody's opinion in the city. But I do think, however... Uh, there's a lot of personal jobs and attacks going on that are taking away from the main issue of climate change. And people are citing these sources and things like that. And I just don't think, <clears throat> I, I just find it hard to believe that there's so many people that are denying that uh, we're having an impact on the, on the, on the environment. And the biggest problem with, for me is, is that, you know, and you say this a lot too, and you guys are saying, well, how come they're, you know, they're taking these flights and they're spending so much fuel going back and forth and all these things. well, they have to get there somehow, and I think that's uh, not the I've, spot where we need to start um, giving them giving them help for. I mean, what we should be looking at is maybe the oil tankers going back and forth, bringing us oil for our cars. Well, think about all the all the oil that the the tankers themselves are using, or maybe we should look at all the cruise liners that are going back and forth, twenty four seven. You know, uh, uh, 100, 365 days a year, they're always they're always in the ocean. Whereas if we're looking at you know uh, why our our prime minister is taking X amount of people over to Europe on his on his on his plane, and we're looking at how much carbon he's using. I just don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a really good argument to be making when we're we're talking about the whole planet here. Um, that's just so, one thing I wanted to say. Well, and, let, and, let oh, me ask you a question, yeah. Paul. Uh, yeah. How how many flights a year do you take? <laughs> maybe maybe one or two if maybe. I if I. If you're lucky enough for what a vacation or that's work? right, yeah, okay. maybe vacation once or twice. Okay, so you take one or two. Leonardo DiCaprio, I know he's not a scientist, but listened to by a lot of people. How many do you think he takes while telling the rest of us not to? Or <laughs> probably a lot. A lot, exactly. Now you say you listen to the program a lot. Did you hear yesterday where I quoted from this new study by scientists saying that slowed down, or from the United Nations, which said? Actually, between 98 and 2012, the temperature may have decreased? I have not. However, that, that, I would That's from I the UN say, source document. I'm, I'm not making okay. it up, and it's... I'm sure you know, you're not. I'm sure you're not. But I would, I would make the argument that there are thousands of scientists on both sides of the spectrum. This is the United the Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the official world body on climate change, yeah. says we've had a hiatus since 1998. Not me. Not some denier. <laughs> the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. All right. Well. You should listen to the scientists, Paul. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Thank you. I'm Brian Lillian for Rob Snow.
We'll continue having fun with this topic after the news on News Talk Radio 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Rob Snow. Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow, looking for a little bit of sanity on the issue of climate change and the push by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for a floor price on carbon. That's what he's going to be pushing for when he meets with premiers later this week. Now, most Canadians, according to a poll that CBC tried to hide, that many others in the media would not talk about, study that included the University of Montreal, and I believe it, it was one of the major U.S. universities studying how Canadians view climate change, more than half say it's not just man-made issues going on. Well, they didn't like that, so they hid that. Then there was the study last week that came out by scientists, not a poll, but a study by scientists that say, yeah, the UN's right when they say there's a a pause, a hiatus in global warming. None of that is stopping the political push to take more money out of your pocket. And that's where the premiers are at. But thankfully, there's one sane man, his name is Brad Wall out of Saskatchewan, who says taxing Canadians while the economy is this precarious, not a good idea. Our own legislative framework in Saskatchewan allows for us one day to have a carbon levy on high emitters. Our point is, is now's not the time. In Saskatchewan, the economy does not need a new tax hike on ed- in terms of education property tax, as they announced at SUMA, nor uh, a carbon levy. And we don't need a national carbon tax. Brad Wall, the voice of sanity. We need more of him at the provincial level, but this is what you get for electing progressives across the board. To the phones and your calls, uh, Ken is in Prescott. You're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Yeah, hi, Brian. Uh, everybody's talking about Trump. I think uh, everybody is sick and tired of these politicians. When they get voted in, they go into this bubble, and they can't see. All they can see is, well, I could spend somebody else's money, so we'll do all these programs that don't work. I think Leary, uh, I would, I'd vote for him. Uh, there's a few things I don't like. Uh, I like don't he's like, a liberal? Eh? Like he's a liberal? If, if, well, if he goes to the conservative and he's, uh, we need somebody like Trump. I don't care everybody says he's a showman. Well, he's a showman, and at least he's got the sense of a businessman. Uh, uh, okay, Ken? I'm going to stop you there, and I get why people like Trump, but there is an actual good conservative candidate who has fought his own party in the United States. His name is Ted Cruz, and he was elected to go to Washington and fight against immigration and illegal immigration, and he did, and he continues to do it despite his own party trying to stop him. Donald Trump has been a progressive for his entire life. He's donated to Chuck Schumer. He's donated to Hillary and Bill Clinton. He's donated to the gain of eight. When the gain of eight was trying to push through amnesty for illegals, he was funding five out of eight of them. But this like- is a, and his Trump Tower was built with illegal workers. He's, he's been for gun control, for abortion, for universal health care, all the things the Republicans are against. He was for until he saw that he could get in. That's the same thing with Kevin O'Leary. And if the Conservative Party of Canada ever decides to elect Kevin O'Leary... I will be the loudest critic of that party on the airwaves in Canada because the man, maybe he's smart at business, 
But he is not a good politician, and he's not a conservative. Neither's Donald Trump. See, you just said it. He's a politician. I think Brad Wall, Wall would be the best, but I don't think he's going to run. Well, we'll see what happens after, but, a, after the Saskatchewan election. Maybe he will heed the call of so many across the country and do it. After, after this one we got now, I'll tell you, he, he's, got, he's just like his dad. He's going to finish off. He's going to finish off Canada. It's just unbelievable what he's doing. Uh, it, it, it's scary. It's scary. This country is going to. Oh, it, it just makes me so mad. It's like Dalton McGinney screws up Ontario, and then he just walks away. Yep. He just walks away, and then Wynn carries on with the same stupid things that he ruined Ontario with. She keeps doing it. Well, and low this is the in, thing I'm saying. Low information voters can. And by the way, that's who's backing Trump. I get people I are frustrated. Know. I get that people are frustrated. But if people paid attention to what Trump has actually stood for, what he has said, they wouldn't be saying this guy tells it like it is. They'd be saying this guy lies every chance he gets. I don't know. I still like Trump. Well, you can like him all you all you want. He's, got he's not a conservative. Anyway. Yeah, gonna... he's gonna. Did you hear Lowell Green? He's gonna shut down the border with Canada in terms of trade. Maybe dangerous for I us. I don't think so. Thanks for the call, Ken. Wendy, in Vancouver Island. We are Hi. really bringing in people from across the country today. Thanks for the call, Wendy. Oh yeah. Well, if Ezra can get a, people from Sweden to watch uh, the Rebels, I guess I could listen to you from Vancouver Island. Well, thanks uh, for that. I wanted to ask um, with this carbon taxes. Where have you seen evidence that this is actually going to fight the environment? I mean, as far as I know, it just goes into general revenue. So how exactly has that helped anyone? Uh, you know what? I don't know. It's like... Um, like why hasn't that question been asked? Well, um, I haven't been near Kathleen Wynne yet. And since the prime minister started talking about it, he um, I don't think he's held a news conference. But I'll tell you this about questions that are asked by the media most of the time. They don't ask questions about policy, Wendy. Most of the reporters ask questions about process. I'm talking about the federal level. Ran into an old friend, a guy who helped train me uh, at one of Catherine McKenna's recent speeches. And the idea had been floated by President Obama that we needed a, since oil was so low, we needed a $10 uh, per barrel tax on oil to fight climate change. Do you think that the reporters would ask that? No, they wanted to find out how the premier would work with so-and-so to do what she wanted to do. They don't ask, is this a good policy or how will your policy work? Will your policy work? They ask how you'll get your policy implemented, and that's what they care about. Yeah, because, I mean, it's hard to really change social behavior. You know, people, if they have to drive to work, they have to drive to work. If they have to heat their homes, they have to heat their homes. Yeah, you might you have noticed we live in Canada. On you know, building code, or you want to do things that are R&D to make more efficient uh, furnaces, engines, fine. But I don't see this money going to any particular use. And what really kind of disturbs me is it, does, it takes away from true vi- environmental issues that we have. For instance, if in cities, if you don't have proper infrastructure and people are sitting in traffic hours on end, Think of your like your low-level ozone, you know your your pollutants, the things that are actually bad for your health, bad for people with asthma. Water is totally water quality in this country. Nobody seems to care about. There, and there's so many areas really that are important 
you know, as now, a true environmentalist. That... If you want to um, get a good idea of how the environmental movement is not um, beneficial to the environment, I recommend a book um, by a woman that lives on Vancouver Island, Elizabeth Nixon, and I believe it's called Ecofascist. I'll look it up uh, just now as we speak. I interviewed her several years ago. You might be able to find the video online still. She started out as believing a, a lot of the environmental um, arguments uh, from the these chief groups, and then she tried to do something simple on her own property and realized that this is not the case and started looking into how the movement works and how it stops. Yeah, it's called Ecofascists. You can okay. get it in, at, at Chapters or Amazon online. Highly recommend reading it because it will open your eyes. Yeah, because like I say, these are the questions we need to, need to ask. Okay, you're putting on more so, tax. And this is well, a very... They, what they claim with, I'll give you Ontario's example, cap and trade, is that it forces emitters to um, either pay a fine through uh, the trade or reduce their emissions. But yes. really, it's about government getting more money because they don't want emissions to go down because they get the money from this. Well, it's like and, and, and the cap and trade systems have not worked at reducing emissions where they've been tried. It's like your electricity use. You're, you're punished even if you conserve in that province, which we're all forced to do. Yeah. I just lived in Ontario and you're paying these exorbitant hydro rates. So you're throwing all your wash together one hour, one particular day on the weekend and stuff like that. You know, Wendy, thanks for the call. Okay. Going to Guy in Nepean. Guy, you're on the Rob Snow Show. Okay, don't know what that is. Let's see if Guy's there. Guy, hello? Mo in Ottawa. You're on on the Rob Snow Show. Yes, the IPCC is a Bible that all proponents of man-made global warming hang their hat on. The IPCC says that the global warming of about six and a half degrees, uh, six six and a half tenths of one degree centigrade, is unprecedented since the year 1000. And most people don't know that the thermometer wasn't invented until 1714, so that they have to rely on something else to measure that temperature change. And what they relied on mostly is tree rings. Mm-hmm. And this this has been disputed. If you go to Wikipedia or if you even read the reports, they'll say that it's, well, they'll use words like likely or very likely, but there is an uncertainty associated with tree ring measurement. And they use terms like low confidence. I mean, that's what I was quoting, Mo, on the issue of uh, the claims that there are um, hurt more hurricanes due to global warming, or there's more floods. If you read the actual reports, they'll say it, it, they have low confidence. And in other places, like you say, they use the term likely. The, the problem is that if you go, you had somebody call in yesterday and said that he found that there are more skeptics than there are proponents of the system, and he's right. If you, if, and three of them are right here in our two universities in Ottawa, for goodness sakes. They are skeptics of this man-made global warming system. My own skepticism arose when I looked at the graph to begin with, the one that uh, that they call the hockey stick thing. And then I saw that this, when I, that's when I found out that they were tree ring. The tree rings are separated by about one-sixteenth of an inch if you go back a thousand years. And consider that tree rings rely on a tree's growth. 
And you don't only have to worry about temperature, you have to worry about about rainfall, about sunlight, mm-hmm. cloud cover, and that kind of thing. And they they go through extreme lengths to try to isolate this, but they're not very they're not very good at it. And my skepticism really came to fruition when when I realized, uh, like I have an engineering degree, and I and I if I had presented a report, <laughs> told you have two different methodologies for drawing one curve, you would have got a failure mark. You well, don't for, do things like that. For, for, forget as an engineer, in a grade 10 science class, if I <laughs> submitted that, Mo, I, you know, well, I used tree rings for this era, and I used um, uh, surface temperature here, and I used air satellites here, or, you know, uh, space satellites here. The teacher would throw it out, and rightly so. Well, the other thing is the sample size. I mean, you what have you got? You got a thousand year old tree in somewhere in the on the, the west side bay. of the Rockies in California, some other ones in Siberia, and you're trying to say that the Earth, which is covered by water, two thirds of it, where they don't grow trees, you're trying to say it's a sample size is good enough for this? This is ridiculous. The only time that they they ever had any accuracy was when they had satellites. Uh, I quote: I found a quote from Norman Spector, used to be a diplomat, and it was a good one. He said that uh, most Canadians think of themselves as a principled middle power. He says, but in truth, we're regarded as molly, uh, woolly-headed moralizers. And this is what's going on. You know, the holier-than-thou concept. Uh, Trudeau thinks that he's holier than everybody because he's doing something like Wynne is doing to save the planet for a granddaughter. This is nonsense, and it's costing me a lot of money in my electricity bill. It's going to cost all of us. Thanks for the call, Mo. John in Calgary, Darlene in Ottawa, and others will get to your calls in a minute. Now back to Rob Snow on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. And Brian Lilly in for Rob Snow with you until 2 o'clock today. We've been pulling in calls from across the country today, Vancouver Island, Sparwood, British Columbia, Toronto, and now Calgary. John in Calgary has been waiting on the line. Look, if you are somewhere else in the country, you can still take part in this conversation. You can listen online, as John is obviously doing. John, thanks for the call. Well, good morning, Brian. Morning. I uh, really enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, You're calling in about Mr. McCallum, though. Well, I'm calling about our beautiful Chinook we have out here. Uh, Is it warm again in Calgary? I can see 85 miles to the west and the beautiful Canadian Rockies covered in snow. I was in Calgary a year ago uh, this coming weekend for a conference uh, by the uh, Economic Education Association. And uh, my friend John Robson, I think, is going out this week for it instead of me. Uh, They had a Chinook then, and people were running by me in shorts and T-shirts along the Bow River as I took a walk. That's still possible. (laughs) So what what are your thoughts on McCallum and the uh, the refugee rush, John? Well, my actually is a question as to is no one not being or is anyone in the uh, House of Commons in their question period not throwing questions at him as to the possible lies about where these refugees are coming from? There have been a lot of questions put to him, and and I guess you're hinting at the security issue, John? Uh, well, not necessarily that. It's, it's actually they're not coming from these camps. Oh, from the camps. Where he has toured. Okay, so, yeah, last week, and uh, maybe we'll play the audio later in the show, last week, Aaron O'Toole, former Veterans Affairs Minister, Conservative MP for Durham, stood up in the House of Commons and said to McCallum, 
why did you mislead the Canadian people and say they were from the camps? And McCallum said, well, I never said they were from the camps. So I went back through my, my video files, and I did a report for The Rebel where I showed McCallum saying they were from the camps, Trudeau saying they were from the camps, uh, local Ottawa MPs like Karen McCrimmon saying they were from the camps, uh, Health Minister Jane Philpott saying they were from the camps. They were asked about their lie, John, and they just said, well, we didn't lie. Oh, That was their answer. Yeah, typical. And, and most of the media is not going to call them out on it. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because uh, it's costing us a lot of money to bring people here that have basically been kind of settled in their own country or in their uh, refugee area over overseas. Yeah, well, we were told we had to bring them over fast and furious because they were in deplorable conditions in the camps. Uh, I had a call on the radio here last week. Ronnie called in to say that um, his family's condo was being rented out by a refugee family, and uh, they were told they had to move by the end of, uh, of February, so they were giving up the condo that they'd been renting. That was that was not a camp. Thanks for yes, the call, I heard John. That one, that was a good one. Thanks for the call. If you want to find the, those reports where John McCallum's exposed, you can find them on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. You might have to scroll through a bit, but you will be able to find them. Darlene in Ottawa. Hello, Brian. Hello. Yes, I am I never thought that I would have a federal debt clock or an Ontario uh, debt clock on my computer. <laughs> and... and uh, it it the the debt interest just clicks over so quickly you cannot read the numbers it's just on to another thousand billion whatever so quickly and when a previous caller said you know that climate don't make personal attacks well damn it this is very very personal it has affected just about every Canadian that has a brain or a partial brain. Um, refugees, let's look after them. I don't think a lot of them are refugees. I think they're immigrants, economic immigrants. Um, were you well, I, I think that's what a lot of Europe is dealing with uh, because only one out of four of the people that show up in Europe are from Syria. I think that a lot of ours are refugees. I know that my own parish has sponsored a, a refugee family, but um, you know we, we're not having the same problem as Europe. My issue, Darlene, has been that we were lied to about this all the time. Yes, they're not from camps. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, and the list goes on. Like, we've got nanny. I call it nanny gate. Now, that was, I'll never forget that, a personal slap in the face for all Canadians when we have a millionaire prime minister. He was, um, pay, he was paying for them when he was making half the money he does now. Yeah, but we're paying. We're for paying it. for them now. And we'll continue to pay because they will, this was all set up, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, through the government and they will receive pensions. Oh, true. So we will continue. The carbon tax, they're rip-offs. Why don't we have east-west pipelines instead of using Saudi Arabia, Venezuela oil? Because it doesn't matter what the uh, people say. 
politicians know better, especially in Quebec. And Justin's going to listen to Quebec. Darlene, got to go there. want to try and get in one last call. Yeah. Peter in Fergus has been waiting on the line. Peter, you're on the Rob Snow Show with Brian Lilly. Hi, Brian. Hi. Uh, what really uh, upsets me is that uh, Canada produces less than 2% of the world's CO2. And, and personally, I don't believe that CO2 is a big problem. Um, but uh, we've got politicians in our country that believe that taxing carbon is going to do something. I can't see it doing anything when you've got developing nations like India and China building coal plants that is going to spew CO2. Uh, how do they think that we're going to go along with this and feel like we're doing something for the world? Uh, it's beyond me. And, and you know, I, I haven't heard one politician explain how, because we're only less than 2% of the world's CO2, how the, the billions or whatever is, is going to do anything. Well, it's, uh, it doesn't matter if you put out facts, Peter. What we're dealing with is a faith system. And as I said yesterday, and I'll say it again, I understand religion. I understand a faith system. Right. I, I happen to go to church. Maybe not as often as I should, but I happen to go. I believe certain things, but that's, that's not something where I turn around and say, you have to believe what I believe because the science proves it. And what I've been quoting to you and what you've heard on the program and what you can share with others now is the science that says, no, there's a slowdown. Yes. There's a hiatus. Yes. Why are we spending the billions for something that the U.N. says stopped in 1998? Exactly. Thanks for the call, Peter. Thank you. I'm Brian Lilly. This is the Rob Snow Show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Don't go away. When we come back after news at the top of the hour, we'll talk with stuntman Stu from Magic 100 about a stew strong t-shirt fundraiser and Carmi Levy, CTV's technology analyst, then the federal political panel. I'm Brian Lilly, back after this.